Hello, listeners. This is Zarinka, and you are listening to Breakfast with the Banker. Oh, happy holidays, listeners. You have come to the right place for the best of holiday specials. It's Zarinka, your neighborhood banker. Today with me is Alina Martin. She is a serial entrepreneur and works now to help high growth companies scale. Now that is so not everything she is and does. So her LinkedIn, you might need more than 15 minutes to go through to see all the wonderful things she's done. But we're happy to have her here today because we're going to talk about your New Year's resolution, and not just your personal one, but your business one. So it's time to take your company to the gym and create your 2024 vision. Welcome, Alina. Hi. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Oh, I'm so happy to have you here. It is going to be a lot of fun. I think two brunettes in the room is trouble. I think we (laughs) possibly (laughs) have more fun than blondes. I don't know yet. Maybe we can do a poll. We could do a poll. That would be funny. (laughs) Anyways, to the meat and potatoes, I want to talk to you about the wonderful things that you do with companies, and this is the best time of year to talk about that because we're going into 2024. So in your experience and expertise, what would be a good time for companies to review current operations, values, or goals, and essentially to create those New Year's resolutions? Yeah, I think there's a couple of ways that you can approach it. I always like to take a look at companies, and I think when we look at things like values or mission and vision and where organizations are growing, there's no better time than to start today. If you're not doing it, you should be taking a look at your mission, vision, values, and where that lines up to. What I always say is the flag in the sand. You know, where are you growing? Where are you purposefully growing into? Uh, A lot of entrepreneurs are opportunistic, and we have to balance opportunistic opportunities with strategic opportunities in order to grow. So I think those are really important. The second half is when you take a look at internally at things like operations, how do you know when you should be changing things or evolving? And it's not during peak times in your business, so not during when you're really, really growing, and it's certainly not during times in your business where maybe you're retracting a little bit or things are really changing. Lots of businesses I work with and see today are experiencing some of kind of the economic impacts right now that we're seeing around the world. So those two times are not great. I always say in times and periods of stability in businesses, you know, you can have times and periods of stability that are long and short, but that's always a good time to take a step back when you have a little bit of a clearer vision and say, okay, what do I need to improve? Where do I need to grow? Or how can we shift what we're doing? Or how do we get this business to the next stage? And you have to take a step back at that point. That's really good advice. So if I were to sum that up, you would say always good time to revisit values and goals, but that operational piece, maybe think about it and say, hey, are we in a place of stability where we can dive into that deeper? And then that becomes a yes or no question. And that also becomes something that is front of the mind of the entrepreneur when they do get to that moment they can start revisiting that you know jim collins in his book good to great he talks a little bit about this philosophy of understanding when to kind of keep going and understanding when to sort of give up on what it is that you're doing Mm. and that's a really important point and a really important pivotal point in business right you have to understand when you need to change and when you need to shift and especially if you want to get your business and you want to grow it to the next stage like most businesses plateau all businesses i've seen plateau at some point they plateau then they hit another growth curve or they retract 
And then you got to take a look at your business and say, how do I get this thing out of what we're in, or how do I how do I move it in the direction that I want it to go? Interesting. Now, what should an entrepreneur really ask themselves when they're going through this process of unpacking where they are currently, what they might want to dig into further? Are there some starting points to help them kick off that process? Yeah, I think most entrepreneurs intimately know. You know, it's funny, I, I get to sit down all the time and do scoping meetings and get to dig into businesses. And every time I do this little thing called an internal assessment. And so we go in and we spend a couple weeks in the business and we start to unpack some of the things that we see. And then when I deliver that information with an unbiased view back to the CEO, they always say to me, oh yeah, I knew that. I just didn't <laughs> know that. So I, what I would say is that little nagging feeling that you have as a CEO, president, entrepreneur, or whatever term we're gonna use when you're running your business, that's where you should be looking. So that's the first place you start. And you know you can even look at simple things like maybe you need a standard operating procedure because you're running a warehouse and you're shipping a product out and it's not being done consistently. Or if you have multiple pieces of technology and they're not working together and it's slowing down processes. So those that's the best place to start. The best place to start is to say, what are those little things that are nagging me? Write them down, look at them, determine whether or not you need to talk to somebody. You know, if entrepreneurs, I think, spent just a little bit more time asking questions, I think that really that big, deep feeling of isolation and getting some real good, honest, radical candor back, it's a great place to start, right? Start in your network. Start talking to your friends. Start being like, hey, I've got this problem in my warehouse. I don't know how to solve it. So that's a good place. This is interesting because I have been doing a lot of reading personally, and it seems that we inherently through reactions in our body or that gut instinct seem to know a lot of things intuitively that we don't pay attention to. So entrepreneurs and listeners out there, when you wake up on Monday morning and you go into the office and that thing happens, that nagging thing that happens every <laughs> Monday morning, throw it on the whiteboard because it's probably a big deal. It's probably a big deal. It's like, you know, it's connecting the head and the heart sometimes a little bit, right? Like we think so logically a lot of the time as entrepreneurs and we just think, okay, well, we're just getting to the next thing, right? We're just, that's what's happening. We're getting to the next thing. But those little nagging things when your business grows become big, giant juggernauts of things that prevent you from getting to the next level. And so I would say there's a very fine balance between building process in your organization and being more nimble. And you have to understand where to vacillate between the two. Mm -hmm. If you over-processize before you have the revenue, then you end up in a whole other problem because you've probably created a ton of infrastructure and network around things that you're just not ready for. And alternatively, if you don't do that enough, then you end up in a position where things are absolutely cratering because you're experiencing a lot of growth and putting it on top of an organization that's not ready. So it's this funny spot, right? Like there's no magic answer, but where, where to start is just start. It's just start. <laughs> it's just start. I, I feel like that's every New Year's resolution magic starting place. I think you're right. I, yeah. <laughs> don't think, just do. Yeah. But think a little bit too. Don't not think. Yeah, don't not think. <laughs> don't yeah. not think. Yeah, don't not think. Um, so 
Now, you said talk to people around you, connect with people around you, ask more questions. This is great when you have peers and friends and family, people you trust, but when would you say it's helpful to utilize a third party for these kinds of reviews or analysis or helping move to the next level? Yeah, I think there's a couple of things you can look at. So the first thing we always look at is the leader themselves, right? What do we need to do to become a better leader? You know, we do it in our personal lives at home. We go to therapy. How do I become a better spouse, a better mother, a better, you know, we do, we do that. How do I get That's better true. in my life, right? As an entrepreneur, it's a little bit different. So the first thing I would say is, is that there are a lot of peer-to-peer networks out there that you can really dive into. Things like Entrepreneurs Organization or YPO or WPO, the Women's President's Organization, or, you know, we're in Calgary, but there's lots of local kind of Calgary business chapters, the Chamber of Commerce. Like, there's all these sorts of little things and little peer-to-peer network groups you can dive into. The second sort of step of that is, what can you do to bring somebody into your business from a consulting perspective? How do I know if they're the right fit? How do I know they have the right skills or the right questions? And we talked about just starting, right? So we just start. And I always say to people, listen, the very first thing you need to figure out is if you have chemistry with somebody. Mm. Because you cannot do heavy lifting work that you need to do inside your business, whether that's with the people that you hire and bring in, or you know that sit on your executive leadership team, or the people that you bring in from a consulting perspective to help you, first and foremost, you've got to have some chemistry. You have to be able to sort of trust where that person has been. You've got to trust that you can be open and vulnerable and transparent with them. Businesses are complicated. People hide a lot of things because they're embarrassed or they, they don't know how to solve the problem. So that is really important. So that's the first stage. And then second stage is skill set, right? Sometimes we don't know what we don't know. And you're like, you know, I got this nagging problem, but I don't know what kind of problem it is. And so that comes to working with somebody where you can, A, be open and transparent, and two, who's maybe got a bit of a broader, diverse skill set where they can kind of pick up on some of the things um, within your organization that you need support with. So that's a really long answer to your question. You know, it's funny. I'm going to go back to how you said in personal life, when we have problems, we talk to our therapists to be better. And we ourselves are in our own bodies and still have no idea how the heck our bodies work for the most part. Let's be real, folks. That's why we go see our doctors and dentists and therapists. But business owners know their business better than anyone, just like we would know our bodies better than anyone. Yet it is interesting that some might not seek the help because they think they know it the best, yet here we are sitting in our own skin having to seek help because we have no idea what the heck's going on in the cells within us. So let that be an analogy for you folks as to why you should go see a consultant, AKA business therapist, potentially as one of the options or at least your peers because we don't know everything. That's so true. And it doesn't come down to how much you pay. Like a lot of people get really caught up in this. Well, if I pay more, I get better, right? Like I just get better caliber. And that's true to some degree, but it's not always true. And so that's why I'm saying you need to understand who you're working with. Like you need to vet the people that you're working with. You vet the people you bring into your company. Why wouldn't you vet the people that you're consulting with that you're bringing in, right? You know your company better than anybody else. A consultant can give you a completely unbiased third party view. 
And it's really important sometimes when you're making decisions, right? Like we get stuck in the decision vortex with only the information that we have. And I think it's important to vet that information outside of yourself and your business. Um, but it is, it's a lot easier said than it is done. <laughs> That's for sure. I imagine it takes some time, but I guess the moral would be don't get discouraged maybe chat with a few different people if you are serious just so you can feel a difference in chemistry now one of the other things that i think might be a misconception is that these programs or having someone come in or even discussions around this need to be long and lengthy i feel like they don't always have to be i feel like an advisor could be intermittent throughout the life cycle of a company so in your opinion, how long can an entrepreneur expect to work with a third party? Or what are some ideas around timelines or expectations? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. One of the things I think I didn't mention previously was sort of, I mentioned kind of like external peer-to-peer mentor, mentorship groups that you can join. But there's something also to be said about mentorship, just one-on-one, mm. right? Like having somebody that's been there, done that, you know, kind of has the scars on their back that you can just call and just be like, hey, I'm having this challenge. You know, that's kind of the coaching part or that kind of coaching mentor-mentee relationship. So that's one part. The second part from the consulting question that you asked, which is how long should engagements be or what should they be about? And the most successful engagements are when there's really good chemistry match and good skill set match. And that could be short term or that could be long term. That depends on what you're doing. Maybe you want to bring somebody in from a digital marketing perspective, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe it's a skill set in your business that you're just improving on and you're just learning and you can bring in an external third party to do that. And you can do that in a variety of capacities. Or maybe you really want to strategically grow your business and you want to bring in somebody who's strategic to say, these are the things we're thinking. We need to figure out how to make some better data-driven decisions. How do we do that? What are some of the frameworks we could use? We've got the business this far. And in that particular situation, that's a much longer-term relationship, right? It's a much closer relationship. So I think it depends what you're looking for. Mm. No, I like that. Essentially, it's important to know that there isn't a right or wrong answer and that sometimes depending on what you really truly want to accomplish you can set out those terms and say hey we have this amount of time what maybe can we accomplish maybe it goes could you kind of go backwards like that as well yeah i think that's a great perspective you know we only have limited time and budget that's just how it works it's everybody has that regardless of what context you put that in Mm -hmm. and so yeah, you know, I've got this much time, I've got this much budget. These are the things that are the biggest priorities in my business. And sometimes people don't know what they are. They're like, I've got all of these things and I don't know what the biggest priority is. So they bring somebody in to, to help them determine what the biggest priority in their organization is. And that can also be really helpful. Then that can be the jump off point for being like, okay, dig- and I picked on digital marketing earlier. Digital marketing is the, the, the thing that we need in order to get the trajectory of this business to grow in the capacity we need it to. So we need some expertise here. Maybe we use a dual approach. We bring in some in-house expertise and then we use some 
outside expertise as well. And this is a whole other rabbit hole, but super interesting <laughs> conversation. Like one of the things that's really interesting is fractional leadership or sort of this gig economy where people are working in multiple roles for different companies. Maybe it's a director of marketing and they work for three different organizations. Mm-hmm. That stuff is valuable, right? It, that outside consultant perspective, they see things in other companies and that is so important. And I just think we're at an age and an era in business where you don't have to bring people on full time if you don't want to, or you're not ready, or you want to use a bit of a blended approach. Maybe it's a consulting approach, a fractional approach. There's just a lot of options, I think, to business owners today that weren't available even, you know, even eight, nine years ago. That's interesting because I think we've talked about fractional positions in all the last two podcasts. Oh, isn't that funny? That must be a reoccurring theme. <laughs> Get your bingo cards out, folks, (laughs) because we're going to block this one out. This is so important. You don't always have to go full in to get that expertise and to include another perspective into the organization. You can really do it fractionally. You really can. You know, I think it depends on the stage of your business and where you're at. I've seen some fractional roles be really successful and some not be successful. Same in consulting. I've seen really successful consulting roles and not successful consulting roles. But alternatively, I've seen the same internally in organizations. You know, I've seen successful leadership and non-successful leadership. And so I think it depends on your business and your capacity. I think the term consulting has gotten a bad rap over the years. I think there's, there's probably a lot of really smart people doing a lot of really incredible work that are doing it underneath the term of consulting or fractional or some of those things. And I think that's where the term fractional comes from when I think about it, right? Mm-hmm. Like it is, consulting is a bit fractional at the same time. Like, oh, yes. Yeah. You are. There are some mega similarities between it. Yeah. I like that. I like that approach. I like all the options. Look at this. Even on your New Year's resolution, you can kind of have your cake and eat it too in a multitude of different ways. In your past experiences, have there been any common missteps that could be helpful lessons for others that, yeah, just so we can learn from other mistakes or maybe not mistakes because I think that that's a bad connotation, but we can learn from the less optimal outcomes that others have had. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The biggest thing is, is that who you're bringing in. That is, that will save you so much heartache. And don't just vet it by your peer group being like, oh, you know, Julie was great. Julie may, in fact, be wonderful. But you need to vet that in a multitude of ways. And I think that's where a lot of mistakes happen, right? Is you're not vetting it's the right person. Do they have the right experience for my business? Uh, Can I work with them? Do we have a lot of chemistry? I think the vetting process is really, really important. And I think if you can get that nailed down right and you get the scope nailed down, like, what are we doing? What are the outcomes? I see a lot of mistakes there where people don't work on what the outcomes are. And so you need to be abundantly clear on what the outcome is, like why are we doing this and what is the end result? And so if you can kind of get those two things, you know, really clearly kind of defined, I think you can have a very successful consulting partnership. But, you know, I would be wary of somebody who is not willing to have those difficult conversations up front and be wary of somebody not willing to do the scoping and step in. And so those are important things. You know, you look at project management best practices, you know, some of those are in in that area as well. Do advisors or external consultants 
offer references sometimes? Yes, Is that for a sure. Thing? Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You should be able to offer some references or people that you've done work with. And as a CEO, you should ask those questions, right? Where have these people been? Who have they worked with? Can I talk to some of the people and can I see some of their work that they're doing? You know, I always say to people, listen, I'm happy to show you some work that we've done. I've got to scrape and redact the stuff that's private, but you know, other than that, and you should be able to see some of the things that they've been doing in the past. Okay. So don't be scared to ask the question. Yeah, agree. Don't be scared to ask the question. Even if it feels a little personal, because ultimately these people are going to be so personal with you that you should be able to ask those questions. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And you should have that level of trust and comfort. And, you know, we all have that spidey sense. Like we all have it. Yes. <laughs> right. So when it's going off, listen to it, you know, like listen to it. And it's, it's important. It's important. So not just the nagging in the Monday morning meetings, but also the spidey sense, your gut feeling, your intuition. There is no time wasted in finding the right person. There are a lot of smart people doing some really cool stuff and you may have to go and meet a handful of them, but they're out there. There is no question, but yeah, you have to do some homework. Right? It's not that simple. Like you have to do some homework. <laughs> well, hopefully while you're walking off your turkey in the holidays, you can You can think about that. You can think about think that. Think about how you're gonna grow your business. <laughs> yeah. Now, this is so incredibly awesome. I want to leave everyone with a little bit of cake because dessert's always the best. What is something that you can offer to our listeners and entrepreneurs in terms of a feel good story? that can kind of leave them thinking and maybe helping them plan what's really truly possible in companies that maybe don't think that they can grow anymore like you oh, know those plateauing question. questions i love this question yeah so yeah. if you're plateauing and you're like no this is kind of it this is how we run this is how we do it i feel like there's more yeah, there's so much. This is a big topic. So I talk a lot about growth in companies. I owned a high growth company, made a lot of mistakes, had some successes. And so now that I work with companies all the time, I get to see some of the commonalities um, in those companies, the ones that grow quickly, the ones that don't. What are some of the mistakes? What are some of the opportunities? And I always say the speed of the CEO is the speed of the company. Mm, interesting. And so depending on how quickly the CEO moves is how quickly the company moves. And research proves that it doesn't matter what industry you are in, you can have a high growth company. Mm. And so there are declining industries. There is no question. There's, a, there's lots of declining industries, but you can still build an innovative business within a declining industry and pivot. And that is no more true than it is today, especially with the influx of technology. But technology isn't the primary driver, and I want to be really clear about that. It can enhance what you're doing. And so you don't have to become and build the next Tesla in order to grow a traditional automotive company. There's other ways, there's other ways to do it. And so I see this all the time. I'm working with a company right now in Eastern Canada. They've been around for a long time. They do training, and their business has been highly profitable. It's been nice growing, but it's super flat. 
And one of the things that we worked on with them is to just determine what they're using from a sales and marketing perspective because the industry is growing. The ed tech industry is growing rapidly. Mm-hmm. And why aren't they seeing some of that growth? And it really has sort of come down to um, a couple of things. But one of them is, is how are they deploying their marketing and sales strategies? And what are they doing? And what's happening in the world around them? Right? We tend to get very focused, I think, as CEOs, and I see this a lot in Canada in particular, where for some reason we get a little bit of blinders on. We should be looking outside of us and saying, what is the new tech that's coming in? What's happening in these industries? How can we evolve in this space and grow? And so I think there's a lot of ways to grow really traditional businesses. I love traditional businesses. They're actually probably some of my favorite Mm. because they are so ripe to grow again, just in a new way, utilizing different thinking and different strategies. And so the speed of the CEO is the speed of the company. And if you get a CEO that's going to want to move fast, so will the company. But if you get a CEO that doesn't want to move fast, that's okay too. Um, But it just depends on on the stage of their business and what it is that they want. Interesting. I really don't believe in scarcity. I think there is room for everyone. That's how I feel. I believe the same thing. So don't think that you can't grow because your market is saturated. Agreed. Agreed. It just means that you either have some untapped, you know, demographics, or maybe you have to shift your thinking. There's an idea, there's a place, but there is no scarcity. I agree. Yeah, I agree. I, and, and I see that, right? I see that in businesses all the time. Uh, there is no scarcity. You know, for some reason, we're scared of exporting here. We tend to be a little bit more hesitant, and we shouldn't be. You know, there are lots of big markets in this world that could use what it is that we make here or that we sell here, and there's abilities to grow and do that, right? I was reading, I don't know if you read this report that came out a couple weeks ago, well, maybe a month and a bit ago now. We have 100,000 less entrepreneurs today than we did 20 years ago in this country. And so those are some of the things that we have to change. How do we, how do we get access? How do we get, you know, all these, this is a big topic, but how do we help build more resilient businesses here and bigger businesses and expand them? Because we have everything we need. We're super smart people. There is no <laughs> doubt that we can't do it. Yeah. On that note, mm. did you know, Alina, that the Can Export grant for helping entrepreneurs either export or prepare to export into yeah. other markets can actually be used towards advisory services? I did not know that. Mm-hmm. Oh, isn't that interesting? I did not know that. Legal, advisory services, trade show stuff, there's a whole list. Yeah, I knew there was trade show stuff, but I didn't realize there was advisory in there as well. I believe they added it a couple years ago. It it was newer in the last little while. That's a great thing to add. Right? So not only can you explore untapped markets, you can get some advice and there are grants available for that. I will make sure it's in the show notes and on all of the profiles. And maybe Alina, you can share that report. I will send you the report and you can read it. It's really, it's quite impressive. Yeah, it's a good report. They've been putting it together for a long time doing the research, but. Well, this has been super exciting. Any final words? No, thank you for having me. It's Ah. been a great conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Well, 
Happy holidays. Happy holidays. And to everyone out there as well, no matter what or how you celebrate or if you just uh, like to, you know, throw all the devices in a fishbowl and take some time for yourself. Yeah, I normally turn off my social media a week ago, but I haven't done it this year. Oh. I always go on a social media break all of December, but I just yeah. haven't this year. I don't know why. Interesting. Yeah. Well, that's another little food for thought. Maybe try something new this year. If anything, um... All the best to everyone out there in your brainstorming of the new year. Again, you don't have to wait till January 1st. Any time is a good time to start reviewing what you can do with your company. It's been a sincere pleasure. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you again for tuning in to Breakfast with the Banker. Have a happy holiday season and a wonderful new year. And we'll see you January 15th, 2024. Bye-bye.